You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Michael Barr. And this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Big, big, big. We were talking about this right before we started this recording with our guests. Nothing is bigger than the NFL. And we're going to get into that and where this intersection of money and sports lives the largest. And that is certainly in the National Football League and everything around it. Noel Lamontagne is with us. He's director of Verdant's Capital Advisors. He joins us from Los Angeles. Noel, really nice to speak with you again. Uh Let's jump right into to the NFL if we can. You played in the league. You advise a lot of players, current and former. It does feel like the money only gets bigger here, and we were reminded of that with the draft and everything that comes after the draft as contracts start to, to be worked out. How did we get here? First of all, thank you all for having me. Uh, definitely appreciate it and always love, always love jumping on with everybody. Uh, and, and talking sports and business, it's a good combo. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think there might be something primal, something psychological. Just human beings have always loved the gladiator, and football is the gladiator sport. So the NFL has just played into that, and, you know, they've tweaked it over the years and try to figure out how to make a very, very violent sport safe. But I think they just prey on uh, on, on people's instincts, and, and that's, you know... They have built this brand to a 365-day-a-year entity where you can't get away from it even if you want to. You're always hearing something about the NFL whenever you turn on sports news or business or, or, or something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, even the combine is is big news. I, we'd, I, I remember, you know, you never heard of the combine before in the seventies, and now all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I got to see what's happening in the combine, and that is brings a important point about TV rights and the NFL. Uh, I mean, you've got the king of kings for sports and TV. Even during the COVID era, they were still paying a pretty penny. Uh, for the broadcast rights. Can you expand more on that? Well, uh, listen, I, I can speak directly to it because when I went to the Combine, when I was a participant in the NFL Combine mm-hmm. in 2000, I, I finished up college in 99, so I went to the 2000 Combine in February. We got one Russell T-shirt that was basically sized. If you were a big guy, you got a big one. If you were a little guy, you got a little one. Uh, <laughs> it felt like sandpaper, and you got a pair of shorts. And you were there for two and a half days, I think, almost three days. Mm-hmm. You had to wear that T-shirt and those shorts the entire time you were there. And nobody was allowed in the building. Uh, all you dealt with were NFL people. You didn't sleep. You barely had time to eat. Now they have massage therapists. They give you more gear and clothing and shoes. And there's, uh, there's suites where you go and get all kinds of different swag. I mean... The money that revolves around this sport, I don't even think that the general public can really conceptualize it. You know, there's 32, basically 32 individuals who sit around a table a few times a year, and and those people are the only ones that really know how much money is running through that sport. But when you're talking about billion-dollar franchises, um, the the TV entities that are out there, they understand that that this is where it's at. This is the big ticket. It always sells. It always outpaces everything whenever whenever a game is televised. And 
you know, the networks know it and the owners know that they have, uh, they have the big ticket item. Hey, Noel, it's Mike up in Boston. I want to talk a little bit about cryptocurrency. Sean Culkin of the Chiefs wants his entire salary this year to be in Bitcoin. I think it was Carolina's uh, Russell Okung, I believe, did half of his $13 million. Any of your clients uh, have an over uh, overabundance of curiosity about this form of currency? It, it's funny. We are, we are extremely, um, I'll say we're very, very conservative when it comes to the whole crypto conversation. Um, number one, we have a big issue in using the term cryptocurrency because I don't know. There's not a lot of ways where you can where you can actually definitively say that Bitcoin is a form of currency. It, it lacks a lot of the foundational definition of currency. But we have a lot of clients. The locker room is a very dangerous place in a lot of cases. Uh, it's a wonderful place to be around your teammates and you know to heal up and to you know mess around and talk about the day. But when it comes to business conversations, the locker room is a very dangerous place. Mm. And crypto is a big conversation piece right now. So. We have a handful of clients, both in and out of sports, who dabble in it in a very, very small piece of their portfolio. Um, you could almost look at it like if you're going to take $1,000 and go to Las Vegas and you're not afraid to lose that $1,000, then if you don't want to travel, you can, you can get into cryptocurrency. Um, obviously, there's a lot of big opinions the opposite way. Um, the gentleman with the Chiefs who, who made the decision that he made I uh, watched a couple of his his interviews and his commentary on the subject, and he definitely got better at talking about it the more he went in. Um, you know, you just have to be aware of the ramifications. You got to be aware of the tax consequences. You got to be aware of the fees, and you got to you got to understand what are you getting for your money, and how are you able to actually use it to live your life. If you're taking your salary out of your bank account and you're putting it into something, how are you able to use that? whatever it is, to, to live your life and pay your bills and take care of your family. And, uh, you know, hopefully it'll, it'll grow over time, um, or at least you won't lose anything over time. But it's a, it's a very complicated question. A lot of times it gets into emotion because there's, there's a lot of passion on both sides of the argument. Um, so, yes, we, we, we have these conversations regularly, and, and we take a very conservative and, and, and skeptical approach to it, honestly. No, I was talking to somebody in your business earlier this week, and, and they made the, an interesting distinction or a description of the evolution of how players are thinking. And they said they once were brand ambassadors, now they're brands. I would take it a step further and say now increasingly – they are owners, you know, taking investment stakes, not just endorsement dollars. Do you agree with that, first of all? And, and second, what are the implications for a player, for your business, as players and former players start to think more holistically about themselves as, as a business enterprise? So that is a, that is a great point. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree, and I know my colleagues – Advertents also agree in that all of our clients in the sports and entertainment world, regardless of, of what their, what their particular profession is within those environments, we view them as, we view them as entrepreneurs. We view them as business owners and we educate them and bring them through the development of their own personal business. Branding is one part of a business. It's not a whole business. So you really do have to look at this, this, opportunity that you have holistically 
you've got to take it all in. You've got to see the different ways it can go because, as you guys know, businesses evolve over time. And you might be the greatest quarterback to ever walk the face of the earth today, but tomorrow something hurts or something pops or somebody who weighs 200 pounds more than you falls on you and your business just evolved and you weren't planning on it. So what are you going to do? What's going to come next? Looking long-term, uh, you know, educating yourself, helping to grow your business and stay ahead of trends. Um, it, it's a huge conversation. And I think the more guys and girls in professional sports that look at themselves as business owners and really do take in that long-term concept sooner in their careers. The sooner they can do it, the better. Um, and it has to be within reason. Um, those are the ones that are, that are successful long-term. Those are the ones that really figure out ways to, to, to stay occupied when their playing careers are over and save their money, build their wealth, and, and take the most advantage of the notoriety and the opportunity that they have in their professional sport. There's another harsh reality about the NFL, and especially now that we're going to have a brand new set of recruits coming in to the National Football League, they'll likely not sign a second contract. And that's just a harsh reality about the sport. Can you expand more on that? Yeah, I can. <laughs> Once again, you guys are hitting home because uh, I've got the scars and the, and the aches and pains every day when I wake up to – to, to prove that it exists. You know, the vast majority of these guys who are the greatest things since, since sliced bread, especially after the weekend, all these new shiny toys for all these coaches and GMs to play with. I mean, let's flash back a few years. Look at the number of quarterbacks drafted um, to franchises that needed quarterbacks. These guys were too big to fail. Uh, they were early, early picks, first, second, third, fourth, fifth picks overall in the draft. They're all gone. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus and name names, but it doesn't take a big Google search to figure out that these teams, not only did they draft them and, and trade them away or release them, but they even, in a couple of cases, paid them huge money and then paid to get rid of them. Yeah. So it, even if you were the most valuable position, most valuable player, and the most sought-after player in the draft, two or three years later, you're on the you're on the tail end of your career, and you're twenty some odd years old now. Hopefully, you have a good amount of savings in the bank, and you and you've been smart and diligent with with what you've done with those assets that you've been able to to earn during your NFL career. But you have to expect that it's going to end sooner than you think. Everybody wants to be Tony Richardson and play for seventeen years. Uh, you know, at a position that most people don't even realize is still on a football field as a fullback, but not everybody gets that opportunity and not everybody can plan on that career um, or is even willing to put themselves through that, what it takes to play for that long, um, you know, and earn a living playing a very, very violent game for, for that period of time. No, the two words I heard uh, more than any other words during the three days of the draft were life-changing. And obviously, life-changing is going to intersect with financial literacy at some point over the next month or so or years for some of these guys. I'm involved with a program up here in, in Boston with a bank called Credit for Life. We take high school juniors and we say, okay, here's your budget and here's your rent, here's your uh, transportation, here's your utilities, how are you going to pay for all of it? And basically, they just stand there and stare at us with their mouths open. 
Now, obviously, your clients are you know making <laughs> hundreds more than and thousands and millions more than some of these kids. Do you ever slap yourself on the forehead and just say, "Oh my goodness, whatever happened to financial literacy? Does it even exist with some of these guys?" You know, unfortunately, more and more. Um, and it, listen, there's a lot of there's a if you want to say blame, there's a lot of blame to go around on this subject because some of these college programs know what these kids are coming to college for, what they're getting into if everything goes right and they stay healthy. How are you not teaching some of these people how to write a check, how to balance a checkbook, how a debit card works, how a credit card works, just just basic, basic functional. You know, I need to get a mortgage. I want to buy a car. What do interest rates mean? So that's a scary and that's a rabbit hole that that is very, very deep. The life-changing concept is something that really triggered uh, when you said that. The first pick in the draft, who is the guy who is the, 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 the most, um, the least likely to fail. He's the one that everybody wants. That's, that's the way it works. He's going to walk away pre-tax with $36, $37 million fully guaranteed. There's 32 picks in the first round. By the time you get midway through the first round, that $36, $37 million guarantee is cut in half, down to about 15 pre-tax. By the time you get to the end of the first round, it's about a quarter of the value. So once you start kicking in taxes, once you start doing a couple of things uh, you know, with your money, maybe buying a house or renting an apartment, paying bills, you're, you're, yes, it's, it's a lot of money, especially for a kid coming out of college who's probably in their very early 20s. But it's, it's not necessarily the amount of money that you need to live the rest of your life, take care of all your family, take care of all your friends. You are going to need to plan. You're going to need a game plan. And, you know, the way that we always speak to especially young guys who are, who are playing sports is you wouldn't go into a game without a game plan. You wouldn't, you wouldn't go in without a playbook and, and understand what this roadmap is going to look like for, for you long term. A lot of these guys do. When it comes to their, their profession, their sport, they're very, very prepared. They're very diligent. They work hard. They focus. But when it comes to that off-field, they have no plan. They, they, they make decisions based on emotion or they make decisions that are guided by people who don't have their best interests in mind. And unfortunately, if, if a lot more would just be patient, take a breath, spend some time educating themselves, reading, and knowing that you're going to play football or basketball or baseball for a limited period of time, you're going to be able to invest your money over the rest of your life. So don't rush into that. Take a beat, figure out what you need to do, figure out the right people to help you do that, and and make good decisions in that before you just rush to it so that you can say, oh, I own, a, I own an In-N-Out burger, or I own this, or I own that. Well, all those things bring ramifications. So... So, no, before we let you go, I, I got to ask you about labor and negotiations because we're going to see some big ones over the next year or so, you know, most notably in Major League Baseball. Obviously, folks are already starting to talk in and around that in this new era that we're in when it comes to, as you say, athletes as entrepreneurs, athletes as businesses, in an era where sports continues to be incredibly important and very, very lucrative, what are the one or two things that you're most keyed in on as these negotiations start across the big pro sports? I think that labor is becoming much more aware of the long-term care aspect 
the long term, whether it be from a from a support standpoint, mental and physical well-being support, um, making sure that there's some type of uh, benefit that is provided if you if you play a certain amount of years or whatever the barrier of entry from a qualification standpoint, that you have the ability to take care of yourself, in some cases take care of your family for the long term, thanks to the, the sport that you participated in. And I really believe that something that you mentioned earlier was this, this personal branding concept. More and more athletes are following or trying to follow that. Uh, I'll call it the NBA model because the NBA players yep. – they're on the court. Everybody can see their faces. Everybody knows who they are. Everybody knows who the stars are locally, nationally, globally. More and more athletes are realizing the benefit of that and the benefit of what that can mean moving past your career on the field. So the more recognizable you can be, the more you can kind of keep that revenue stream or some form of a revenue stream moving beyond your actual playing career. And when you're talking about football, the playing career on average is very short. You know, the statistics are, are, are three years roughly, give or take. But unfortunately for football players, that doesn't include the guys that get cut after training camp wraps up and, and never make a, a, another real viable contract or team after that. You know, the, the average NFL career is probably more like four to six months. Yeah. But they use the three-year concept because it sounds a little bit better. So when you're looking at that long of odds, you really should look at that opportunity and figure out, okay, how can I perpetuate this? How can I get the most out of it? How can I network and build relationships? And when it comes to the labor negotiations, that's becoming more of the, um, the concept that the players are revolving around. How can I have a bigger piece of this business for the long term versus just the short-term gain of a little bit more money in my contract? Um, you know, this is going to affect me for the rest of my life. How do I, how do I have it benefit me for the rest of my life? Yeah, the power dynamics certainly have shifted and, and will continue to shift. No, really good to catch up with you and uh, and spend some time. Very timely conversation, obviously, as we continue to digest the NFL draft, think about everything that's going on in the world of sports, especially as we're getting back in arenas and, and all of that good stuff. Noel LaMontagne is the director of Verdant's Capital Advisors. Great to talk to you, man. Thank you. Appreciate you, fellas. Thank you, Noel. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Barr Sports. And I'm Mike Lynch. You can follow me at LynchyWCVB. And I'm Jason Kelly. Follow me at Jason Kelly News. We're here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week. We are talking hockey. Release the Kraken. Yeah, it's happening out in Seattle. We're going to catch up with the CEO and owner of that team. So be sure to tune in to that. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online wherever you get your podcasts.